Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Revenge, the next person to cut me off in traffic is going to get a hot slice of foot-in-the-ass pizza. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Coffee Boss. Even if you live in the countryside, you can still have a taste of city life with the Coffee Boss. (laughs) What is that from? Oh, it's from this little movie called Your Name. (laughs) Is it really? I missed it. Welcome to The Pestle, everybody. I am Wes. And I'm Todd. And this is the show where we like to analyze and pick apart mostly movies every once in a while we like to mix in a tv show except for this one this this uh this faux sponsor (laughs) that todd missed (laughs) and we like yeah we like to analyze stuff today we're going to be taking on your name which is a little different because it's an animation yeah specifically a japanese animation yeah i would say that's what makes it the different we've done moana Mm -hmm. you know we've done others but in this particular case you know it's subtitled and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you don't strike me. You can certainly correct me if I'm wrong here, but you don't strike me as a where are we going anime guy. Like you don't. That's so racist. <laughs> <laughs> like Studio Ghibli doesn't seem like it's going to make its way into your <laughs> personal collection. No. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> yeah. I. I mean. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't sit down and go. Oh, yeah. Let's watch some anime. But you know, there are. There are some that are near and dear, mm. you know, the same one that everybody like I, I, spirit I, I, away, spirit away, yeah. yeah, those types. But you know, they're few and far between. There's probably like you know, two or three. Did you watch a lot of movies, uh, cartoons growing up? Not really. Mm. I, I, it was mostly stuff like like Fraggle Rock. Oh wow! You know, like like puppetry Muppet stuff. puppetry yeah. stuff, like real real things. Which is funny because my son only likes cartoons mm-hmm. like it's, it's hard to get them to watch actually except for sunday which we we watched honey i shrunk the kids oh nice and i have to say that shit holds up really it absolutely does i mean they built some really big sets to carry out that's those why that's yeah. why it holds up man <laughs> it is legit and i remember as a kid and I, I know we're getting off topic but i remember as a kid watching the behind the scenes of like you know, mm-hmm. the guy flying through the window and them shooting water up, yeah. like, it, you know, all these things. It was just so awesome. Just so awesome. The huge, the big Lego. Yeah. Oh gosh. I forgot about the Legos. Anyway, I'm not a huge anime guy, but I've always respected it. And I've mm-hmm. always seen the attention to detail and the, the workload that something like that is. I mean, it's just unfathomable, you yeah. know, like, and I think maybe that's why it's hard for me to identify with it because one, I'm, I'm not very good at drawing. I've never, I don't think it's not that I couldn't be, mm-hmm. you know, I think that everybody could learn how to Agreed. draw, but I, I just don't think it, it's just never really appealed to me to, to work on it. You know, I wish I just could draw and then I would draw all the time, Yeah. but you know, it's like playing the piano. You can't just sit down and play. You have to like practice and stuff. And I just have, it hasn't been my thing. So I just haven't, you know, identified with anime on that level as I did, you know, live action stuff. So, but you, what about you? Um, as far as anime goes, I'm probably not much more advanced than you, like pretty close to the same level. I mean, I've seen certainly a few more animations, but they're all like 
Miyazaki kind of stuff is still going to be Spirit of the Way, Howl's Moving Castle, yeah. uh, Porco Rosso, mm-hmm. um, Rosso, excuse me, and all of those. Like I've seen almost all of his Ponyo, I think was my first one, which oh, was yeah. probably my least favorite of them. I mean, it's yeah. still a good, I mean, it's Miyazaki. Yeah. Actually, I take that back. My least favorite was The Wind Rises. Oh, I, I didn't see that one. Uh, God, it was just all the magic. It was just a drama, an animated drama. And for me, and maybe why I don't like it is because I used to go to these 24-hour movie marathons um, in December. Yeah. And someone decided to program that before it came out. It was like a pre-release uh, screening. And they ended the 24-hour movie marathon oh my God. with an animated drama. And I was oh, just no. like, and it's subtitled. It's not like, you oh, know. God. Re- the last thing you want to do is read <laughs> and you haven't slept in 24 hours. Yeah, so I didn't have a, maybe I should go back and watch it, but. If it had, I don't know, exploding dragons or something, I probably could have paid a little bit more attention, but (laughs) it was brutal. But other than that, yeah, I mean, I grew up watching plenty of cartoons for sure. I mean, all the Disney stuff. Probably my favorite cartoons, though, are Rankin Bass, Mm. The Hobbit, the original animated Hobbit. Oh, my gosh, yes. I love that. I still watch it to this day. Yeah. Secret of Nim, Mm -hmm. like Don Bluth had all those great ones Land full time. Yes. And so those are the ones that really stick with me. And, I mean, I certainly still watch all the Disney stuff. I mean, my mom was a... Big, big Disney fan, so yeah. I grew up that way too. But the ones that whenever I usually think of animations, um, if it's not Aladdin, then it's probably going to be a Don Bluth or Rankin-Bass. So th- really quickly, and I just want to ask you this question so it doesn't leave my brain, <laughs> but what do you see as the difference between anime and like Land Before Time, like structurally? Like it feels like, I'll say, it feels like to me when you watch a Don Bluth film, transitions are much smoother like it just feels like more like a quote-unquote like seamless story than anime but do you did you get that or do you feel like it's that's a yeah that's a really good question that i mean generally whenever i think of the the generality between anime and cartoons in america i just think oh it's cultural and that's it but i think you're I think you're right. Like there is something in the animation or in the uh, transitions and I would certainly need a larger sample size, but it also yeah. just makes me think of the, the pace of the film itself. Oh yeah. Some sure. of the animations yeah. I feel like even Miyazaki though, watching some of his film, you might think he's very meandering, but I think there's a, still a little bit more whenever they meander they're adding so much depth. Whereas I feel like in American cartoons, when they meander, you're just kind of experiencing a little bit of just filling time. Maybe? Yeah. Uh, a little yeah. bit. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. That's certainly out of my wheelhouse, but I always love watching them because I, I always love thinking about a cartoon artist can draw whatever he wants. Nothing is off limits in terms of abilities. You don't need a certain piece of kit. Like there's no yeah, yeah. crane that you need to pull off the shot. It's like, no, it's, you just draw it and you make it. Yeah. And so from that, I always kind of like watching what do they choose to do cinematography wise? Yeah. And what can I learn from that in the process as a filmmaker? So I wouldn't say I walked away from your name, you know, having a bunch of interesting thoughts about cinematography or anything, but it's one that I, I like watching. There's certain moves, camera moves in here that I find really interesting. And with that said, we should probably hand a, uh, a spoiler warning. Oh, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> well, you know, it's old hat. We've done it so many times. 
<laughs> yeah. So if you have not seen your name, just pause this because we're going to talk about, you know, a lot of detail and a lot of the story and, and everything. So we, it, we're going to ruin it. So go pause this, go watch the movie and then, uh, and then come back and listen to the rest of it. I'm pretty excited. We're going to cover several things. Uh, we're, obviously we'll talk about animation to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about story and even better, I think is we're going to have an interview with Justin Kaufman, who is a concept artist, uh, with experience in animation specifically, but he does a lot of concept art right now for a video game company. And so we're going to have a pretty lengthy interview with him just hearing about his thoughts on the state of animation and whatever stuff that never occurs to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I was learning. I took the opportunity, like I want to learn something. And so hopefully in the process, everyone else does too. Awesome. And other such stuff and things and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and things. Okay. So I'm going to try and get this through the synopsis. I'm going to be with you. every name. It, oh, this is going to be awful. You guys. Okay. Uh, so Storyline. Two strangers find themselves linked in a bizarre way. When a connection forms, will distance be the only thing that keep to keep them apart? Directed by Makoto Shinkai. Written by Makoto Shinkai. And it's starring Monet Kamishirashi as Mitsua and Ryan Nus... Almost. You're doing so well. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Ryunosuke Kamiki as Taki. Nicely done, though. That was actually really good. I guess. The day a star fell, it was almost like... Like seeing something out of a dream. Nothing more or less than than a breathtaking view. at the cafe later. Thanks, but I gotta go to work. I can't stand this place anymore. It's too small and close-knit. Please make me a Tokyo boy, my best life! I've been having some strange dreams lately. Like a dream about someone else's life. What is this? And our dreams that girl and I were switching places. Nice. So sweet riffs. <laughs> that was kind of the funniest thing to me is that it had a, a title song. Yeah, right. <laughs> and where the lyrics were being sung yeah. like right underneath the dialogue. It's like so much is happening right now. Oh my God. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> what, I mean, yeah, what did you take away? Like, did you like it, not like it? Okay. Two well, snaps and around the world? Yeah, so I, um, I mean, it's okay. Yeah. There were moments where I was really drawn in, you know, when I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, when I, when I didn't know if he was going to find her or how he was going to find her, when they learned, when they learned, we learned that they were at different times. Mm. I thought that was a really interesting tie into the story. Because the assumption is that this is all going parallel with each other. Yeah, that's what you're thinking the whole mm-hmm. time, and then you realize, oh, it's not. It was a really good twist, but it was it was there was so much happening. Yeah, all the time. I just I couldn't I couldn't take my eyes off the screen because there was so much dialogue mm-hmm. the entire time that I'm reading the whole time and I'm not getting to watch, uh, which normally I don't mind with subtitle subtitle films. I like subtitle films, but. 
usually there's error in them. Yeah. And I know it's, it's because there's, there's a lot being said and, and meaning like a language barrier here. Right. So they're having to say a lot. There's a lot to having to be displayed on the screen. And so you're reading two lines and by that time they're already saying the third line. And so that (laughs) needs to be on the screen so they can only put it on for so long. And so I just, I was like frantically reading the whole time instead of being able to really digest the story, which was, which sucked. Yeah. And I feel like even if we were fluent or we listened to the overdub, like the Mm -hmm. English dub, I feel like they're still making you work for it regardless, Uh, which obviously whenever you happen to read it, you know, adds a layer of complexity and confusion, even like, Oh, did I, did I miss something? But if you're there and you stay with them, you'll obviously catch everything Yeah, because it's not so complicated that it's beyond, you know, attain, attaining it. And I mean, even from that very first time that we settle in when Taki's taken over Mm -hmm. uh, Mitsuha's body and we spend just that moment in her bedroom as Taki. And then by the time she goes downstairs, it's already tomorrow. Yeah. Like they've cut and and you're having to piece this together in hindsight Mm -hmm. of what's happening. And so they're really keeping you on your toes and making you work for it. Yeah. Uh, Which I mean, I, I don't mind. Yeah. Same. We talk about that that. all the time. Yeah. I like that. One thing I did like a lot is that a lot of these switching body Mm -hmm. stories ignore the fact that if I'm a guy and I jump into a girl, I'm not going to grab my boobs. Like that's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm sorry. It is. And that happens. And it's, and it becomes a plot point almost. It really does. And you know, same thing with when she goes into his body, it's like Mm -hmm. the first thing that they realize. And I love that they address that, you know? Um, and they come back to it a couple of times and, and even at the end, whenever he's realizes, Oh, I got to come back. I got to be her again for a day. Yeah. And I'm going to save her and I'm going to save everybody. Maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. (laughs) And he like looks at his hands for a second and then wraps himself up in a hug and you're like, Oh wow, that's like really cool. He's just so excited to be her again. And then you cut to the sister opening the door and he's bawling his eyes out (laughs) and grabbing his boobs. (laughs) It's like, can't help it. He can't help it. He's a teenage boy. Yeah, I love it. It's, that's really, really good that they did that. Uh, Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. What did you think about the ending? Yeah, I I thought it was beautiful. The final shot, right, is them seeing each other across a stairway. Yeah. And... Just asking each other's name. Yeah, yeah, you know. It's so abrupt. And yeah. I I think this is going to go back to at the heart of between... You wouldn't see that in an American film unless it was an indie film. Like, there are very, very few American decently budgeted films that take that kind of tact. Mm-hmm. And I could probably count them on one hand within the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And whereas here... I assume it's not very cheap to make an animated movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Not. And they still took it. So I don't know if it's a, a cultural difference where if you go to the movies over there, you expect to be shocked and moved in ways that you hadn't before. Whereas over here, maybe we just look for comfort food. We're always like, yeah, oh, how do I end with warm, fuzzy feelings and end on a kiss? You know, yeah, that's where we would have ended. And yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that they just ended with just finding each other and it wasn't, you know, they ride off in the sunset kind of kind of thing. It was just like, okay, pan up and, yeah. and now it's them. Like they can have their, you know, yeah. their moment here and we, we, go, we go away from them. And even that moment, they play really coy, right? Yeah, yeah. Because each character is kind of dealing with the, uh, the uncertainty yeah. of 
do they know me or is that who I think it is? Which, yeah. by the way, is pretty much what I experience every time I'm in public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. It is so weird. Oh Can you explain that again yeah, to people so, that are new to, the, to, to listening to you? So I have a thing uh, titled facial blindness. Like I don't always know a face when I see it. And it's really frustrating. And this happened actually last week. I started this uh, diet where I calorie count and I have a daily allotment that adds up to a weekly allotment. And if at the end of the week I'm under my budget, then I get to eat all those extra calories on Sunday, which will still put me at a pace of losing like one to two pounds a week. And so I'm like, oh man, I'm like, I don't know, seven, 800 calories underneath uh, my whatever, right? So that's an extra thousand calories, let's say. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm going to go to Valentina's barbecue and I'm going to get some badass barbecue and which I did not have that pleasure this week. <laughs> it was like, I'm, I got to eat less calories this week. Oh, gotcha. And so I go and I order all this barbecue, like an outrageous amount and I'm on my way out and I look up and I see someone and I'm like, I think I know her but I'm not sure. And so I kind of start doing this thing where I'm trying not to stare, but I'm trying to get a good look, which if you're also looking at me, probably looks <laughs> damn weird <laughs> because you have this guy that's just like looking at the side of his eye and also slightly moving his head. So it's like a you, twitch. You look like you're about to bomb the place. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, yeah. what it looks like. <laughs> I, I, look, I would tackle your ass. Yeah, you would. Yeah. And it would be well-deserved. Yep. And, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's her, but I'm not sure. And then she finally speaks out. She's like, Wes, you're going to act like you don't know me. And I'm like, oh, shit. oh, that is you. Okay, great. And to add like extra insult to injury here, like she's black. And so whenever I, whenever I come up and say, yeah, I'm not good with faces. It just sounds oh, like God. I'm being oh, like God. all black people look alike. Is that what oh, we're saying? Wes. I'm like, Jeez. when in reality, I'd whatever but like but it extends it extends beyond just just like people that you haven't seen in a while right like yeah. like it, it could be you like yeah. the the easiest story for me is whenever i left work one day i ran into this guy who's offering to give me a ride back to my car and i'm like whoa who is this person right now and only to realize it took me i don't know three four maybe five seconds to realize oh this is my boss and I just left the office with him a second ago, but you remove the context and suddenly everything is just forgotten. Like I just cannot recognize faces very easily unless you have very simple identifying marks. And so whenever I'm watching them at the end of the movie, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's exactly how that feels. So <laughs> it's so weird. Every time you tell that, I just, I can't believe it. Uh, so, so one, one thing that I feel like may, uh, just because I just finished this movie, I, f I feel like maybe they missed out on a little bit and maybe I'm incorrect on this and you can correct me, but I feel like that would be a moment to identify with the rest of society, right? Like we're constantly looking for something and, or someone. And in, in this case, Taki's looking for a job or he's looking for this person he doesn't really know, but he's looking for s someone or something and they see each other and they don't really realize that, you know, the scenario that had happened throughout the movie had happened. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't really realize that they just are drawn to each other. So is that, is it a better ending? 
if they use that to relate to just, you know, life in general, how like, you know, you meet someone and you just feel like, you know, I'm connected to this person somehow, or do you feel like they do that? Do you feel like that, that is addressed kind of in how they met, they came together at the end? Yeah, I think so. I mean, one of the things I really love about this story is, and this will dive slightly into my notes, but they do a very, very risky thing, right, with having a storyline that counts on you believing that they're forgetting something. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's a great point. That's so tricky. It's really, really tough to pull off because there is no visual cue to help you delineate when someone has forgotten. It's all internal, which makes it a really dangerous story telling mechanism because you're so heavily reliant on performances to sell it. But what they do really smart is they, they tie it to a dream state, right? Which everyone has an intimate understanding of. And it makes these parts surprisingly effective in identifying with them. And so in that way, I think the rest of the world, the way I've always experienced kind of love and connecting with someone is whenever it's gone, it does feel like a dream. Yeah. Like, like a different part of your life yeah, or a different life in general. And then when you come back to them, it's, it's like nothing ever changed. Mm-hmm. It's always this weird state. And so, I mean, I think in their own way, I feel like they, maybe not as directly as what you're talking about, but, uh, to me, yeah, I was touched oh. on and I, I related in that kind of way, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. What about you? You cool. feel like I'm, they, I mean, I just, yeah, I guess, I guess I was just asking that question because you always try to identify with characters, right? Mm-hmm. You, anytime you watch a movie, you know, I watch Interstellar, I see myself as Cooper, you know, like that. It's just what you do as a viewer and to try to like throw, put yourself into the story physically. And so I kept trying to do that. Um, and there's a few times where I, I could, but especially when you want that in the end, because it, it felt, it felt like they were drawn together because of what happened in the movie, which was very, for lack of a better term, sci-fi. Mm-hmm. It was hard to relate to that to that action of them coming together, instead of if it was more real world like in the end, maybe I would have felt that way. I still th- I still enjoyed the movie, and I I like I thought it was amazing and and well told and and stuff. But that ending was just not. I mean, I loved it because. It's the lull in between their connection that just completely drowns me. Like it just gets me all the way because you have that such abrupt moment when they, when the sun sets and the pin drops. Oh yeah. Well that, yeah, that's right. And now you, you feel lost. That's the best part of the movie. Yeah. And you feel completely out of sorts because this moment was truncated before it was completed. And that's the very much the state of life that they're going through now. And as he's searching for her and, you know, she, we don't know where she's at. You know, we're just kind of experiencing life through his lens. And it's so, so much time passes and you start to feel really awful. You're like, God, he's, he's never going to find her. He's, he's missing so much time. And now he's certainly forgotten. Like there's no way he's going to recognize her. And how is that going to even happen? And so whenever that, what is it? The, the hairband, like that moment clicks, it's suddenly like that flutter kicks in. And yeah. So I guess for me, that's, that was really easy for me to connect with because I was just so in tune beat by beat with what was going on. I think you hit it on the head for me. It was 
the fact that he kept, he was saying that he was looking for something. That's what I didn't really identify because we're always looking for something. We don't verbalize that most of the time. We just like go through life, Mm -hmm. you know, and things happen and we do things and, oh, we're drawn to this direct in this direction towards this thing or this person at this point in our life. But we, you know, we're not like every morning waking up, you know, destroyed because we haven't found that thing that we've been looking for that person or well, you you're not well <laughs> mr happy family I, oh come on wife and kids I wasn't with even, all your happiness god i'm gonna punch you in the face <laughs> uh i i mean <laughs> you know even before i was married i was i wasn't always like i mean look of course i had sure i yeah. had like a huge swaths of my life where i was feeling that way yeah. but they would ebb mm-hmm. and flow and stuff. And so I, I just think I'm looking at this as a, as a, a full story and, you know, encased in, <laughs> in a movie. Okay. <laughs> it would have been interesting and I'm just spitballing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just spitballing. Cause I really did like the ending and I, I thought it was beautiful and everything, but would it have been interesting if he, cause it was more focused on him. Right. Uh, at the yeah. end, right. It was only focused on him, I guess. Yeah. Right? Cause we don't know what happened to her. Right. Right. If he completely forgot everything. Like there wasn't a longing or a searching or anything. Maybe he was even happy. And then he sees her. And from then on, everything happens the way it happened. Maybe that is what I was like Mm -hmm. wanting out of that moment. I mean, I don't know that that would have been any better. I'm just talking through variations. Yeah. Yeah. Very, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it is a little, it, Maybe it had to be this way because the whole movie you're they're making you work, like you said. You have to pay attention, you have to follow everything, like and they're just kind of like giving you a little bit yeah. here. You're not having to continually work. Uh at the end you kinda you can kind of almost relax with him a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. So Real quick, and I say that almost facetiously, we're going to, can we dive into the interview with yeah, Justin? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, because I think he is much more informative than anything I'm going to say. Absolutely. And so we will dive into that now. And we are joined right now by Justin Kaufman. He is a concept artist working out of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Justin, welcome. Hey, thank you very much. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Hopefully, hopefully we can uh, get down to the brass tacks in this thing. I think so. No, so, <laughs> so briefly, like, you're a concept artist. What does that even mean? Basically, I design the stuff that eventually gets made into 3D and then ultimately you see in the game. So that could be uh, characters, it could be environments, props, effects, all that kind of good stuff. We're, we're basically like the, the pre-production part of, uh, of the pipeline. Can you walk me through like our task with creating a thing? Just kind of an eagle eye view of how does that workflow even look like? So oftentimes it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a collaborative team effort. So usually I'd be working with either my director and or my lead and we will kind of discuss the assignment, you know, figure out what, it, what, the, what the needs are and how that fits into the pipeline itself. And then uh, for my part, uh, usually more often than not, it's uh, research to make sure that whatever I'm going to design is going to sort of resonate with the audience and 
also is going to look like something that people can actually latch on to if that's what we're going for. There absolutely is drawing evolved, um, for sure. <laughs> then it's usually right after that, then we just start sketching. What do you mean by research? Is that like you're looking up reference material or does that mean you're... Uh, sure. For example, if I'm going to design, I don't know, windmill, I'm going to look into the history of windmills. I'm going to kind of get a very rudimentary understanding of how they work. Uh, I'm going to look at different cultures, windmills, because um, that'll absolutely come into play depending on what I want to go for. And then, you, again, like you said, getting that visual reference just to make sure I can draw the thing so it, you know, it looks somewhat correct you know, to, to the audience. Like it would actually operate in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and again, if that's what you're going for, you know, a lot of times I've been doing a lot more like stylized uh, work these days. And so oftentimes kind of what my job has been is to sort of analyze and kind of study like what is the essence or what like what makes an object an object and then how do i play with the proportions and how do i play with sort of the visual representation of that to like to where you get something that's that's you know fresh and new but still again you understand is a windmill or whatever it is you're trying to get at mm -hmm. um, it's kind of caricature a little bit too you know car what character artists do really really well is they sort of quickly distill what they think makes you you and then they just push that and that's kind of one side of uh, what I do. Okay, one more thing, because I think it's really interesting sure. what you do, and then we'll dive sure, into the movie. Thanks. The actual, I don't know, to quote you, I guess, brass tacks, is you draw a thing, you like, hey, here's the way it is, and I'm sure you break it up into multiple layers in Photoshop or what have you, and then you pass yep. it along to a 3D artist, and then they generate a 3D image based off that that they can insert into the game? Is that basically how that works? Yeah, it's pretty much it. You could think of it as like kind of me, I'm, I'm coming up with kind of the blueprints and then the uh, 3D artists are building that. Then that goes down to animators, uh, that goes down to marketing, that goes down to, to programmers to start getting it in the game. That's pretty cool. And so if you're doing the blueprints, then I assume it's not just one sketch like, oh, here's a windmill from one side, but I assume you have to start to draw it from multiple angles if it's going to be an actual 3D uh, blueprint. Basically what that means is that means, uh, you know, detailed kind of line drawings, um, like I said, often from multiple views, um, you know, either like a front, sort of like a three-quarter view, a back three-quarter view. Sometimes people like all sorts of, depending on what the game is, right, like depending on how it's going to look in the uh, final game, will often kind of determine how much work or what specifically you need to draw. So like if the camera's like a top-down camera in the game, then I'll probably I'll be focusing more on that presentation mm -hmm. than I will be on like the shoes of a character. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just because of the because of the needs of the game. So moving on to your name, what you know? Yeah. Just quick first impression. What did you think? Man, uh, overall, I I had a really great experience uh, with the movie. Um, I, I I think I was um, maybe it's just because I'm an, I'm an artist or maybe a little bit superficial in this way, but I. I, the, the visuals definitely carried me through the movie uh, very, very easily. Uh, I, I think I would need to watch the movie a couple more times to really give you like a sort of a true analytical uh, uh, perspective from my own, from my own shoes. But uh, yeah, man, no, the, the, the first the, the first time was it was bordering on on breathtaking. I think. Do you feel like there's a lot of I don't know crossover? I don't I don't know anything about animation. I mean, the most I okay. know, which may be wrong, is. <laughs> Generally speaking, most animations run at uh, 24 frames per second in final, but in run-up, it's basically they're animating at 12 frames per second and doubling each frame. Is that hold true, or is that changed in the modern digital era? Yeah, uh, so I, I think that just depends on the actual animation and the needs, right? Like, um, there's a lot of shows that will cut a lot of corners, you know, sort of migrate to threes and fours. 
every third and fourth frame just to really save save time. Um, oh, wow. And then I could definitely be mistaken on this, but I'm fairly certain that for a lot of like what you know, that sort of like a shonen anime uh, subgenre, a lot of those shows are sort of known for running for a very, very long time. And how they get around that is by being very, very efficient and very picky with where they add those frames and where they spend that money with the animation. And so a lot of times it's kind of, the experience can be a little bit like watching like a, a comic book with some little bits of action in between there, you know what I mean? One thing that kind of stuck out to me, and I don't know to the degree that they're doing this, but it seems like they implemented a lot of uh, digital textures or at least digital animation. And, and my roommate, who's also an artist, was saying that they, they mm -hmm. maybe even paint over the 3D uh, textures. Ah. I, yeah. I have no idea what any of that really even means. But <laughs> Yeah, that, that's actually very common uh, these days. It's, it's been in practice for quite a while, I think, now. Um, and I, but I think, you know, over the past maybe 10 years or so, it's gotten to the point where it's not quite as jarring. So, like, that being... I'll, I'll get back to the main point, but that being said, I, I personally just prefer more hand-painted and traditional stuff as much as possible because there's always a little bit of something jarring whenever you start adding in the 3d cameras and like you're saying texturing those things but yes to, to, sorry to, to get back to your original question um yeah man so they, they absolutely do that so a lot of these backgrounds are like most animation where there'll be a plate maybe a few plates depending on if they needed to like parallax and you know really sell that depth but oftentimes it's just like a, a single painting of this really sweet background they will use 3d in this case to sort of i, I, I guess it really kind of depends on on what it is right so i think it, i think you have to kind of look at it uh, as far as like a budgetary concern goes in a lot of ways um there's absolutely artistic concerns to be sure like sometimes if you need to animate like a i don't know this really complicated train you know uh, going you know from from behind the camera down uh in, into the into the shot and then off the camera that that's going to be very difficult and expensive to animate by hand so they will probably more than likely in the very least have like a, a, a rudimentary 3d model that they'll set up a shot and they'll, they'll, they'll track it down there and then they'll use that at least as a, as a drawing guide in the very least at that point do you start to kind of just trace over it by hand or are you still using like digital painting tools um i mean yeah yeah absolutely it, it'll, it'll be digital more than most more than likely uh but you, you're, you're you're basically kind of tracing over it it's kind of it's kind of like setting up a guide for yourself um hmm. that, that's that's kind of what we did on on castlevania stuff too is just we would have like a this 3d set or an object um that we could the whole team could use so that way we're getting consistency in the images and then also it's just speeding it up right so you don't have to like think about how is this constructed um and i think that it's 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 a tricky balance right to I guess like any other, any other production, you, you know, as a filmmaker, right, you always have to weigh like the artistic, artistic integrity of what you're making versus the cost of things. And I think that the use of 3D uh, helps in both of those concerns. Um, I think this is just my personal opinion. I think that a lot, oftentimes it is done just for a, for a budgetary concern. I feel like if, 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 if you had like the ideal world, I feel like a lot of artists and animators would probably prefer to do it by hand, but maybe that's just me talking and maybe a little, a little bit crazy in that way, but but yeah, yeah, it's it, it's an amazing tool, and I will say though that I the 3D use in this movie was not super jarring, and I think that's because they did a good job of uh, spacing out and sort of they, they didn't overuse it, and they also weren't trying to do anything super crazy. This was like a somewhat grounded film in that there were there wasn't a lot of like robots and space lasers and crazy <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, of course, the the story is fantastical, but um, it was still very much you know a, a terrestrial grounded story, I guess you could say, as far as like the actual art goes. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think they did a great job with it. If I can ramble, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, 
I, I, I'm guessing you didn't watch the post credits because that's where all the robots and, <laughs> and mm. flying cars were. Yeah, yeah. I, I, as soon as the credits hit, I was just I'm, <laughs> I'm done with this. I'm so I'm so emotional right now. No. Uh. <laughs> so okay, there's one thing, and this is probably really lame, but there's one thing that always kind of blows me away when I'm watching an animation that. Mm -hmm. It looks so simple and right, but it is just amazing. And it's whenever there's transparency in an item. So, for instance, ah. you know, liquids are always going to be one, but I think the more complicated one, to me anyway, um, from a filmmaker perspective, is when they're driving mm -hmm. in a car and we're looking through the windshield at them, and then on top of that, we're seeing reflections off the windshield of the environment, like trees or whizzing oh, yeah. by. Like, sure, sure. What the hell? How do you do that? <laughs> is that still uh, just. Yeah. 3D modeling? Um, it doesn't have to be 3D modeling. It can be just very clever masking. I, I think I think this is that stuff they could have achieved, maybe not to the sort of level of polish uh, that you can nowadays, but um, I, I think the simplest way to explain it is, again, if you just imagine a series of cards or plates mm -hmm. moving around and overlapping one another, um, and then if you imagine, like, let's just say, like, if you have a car driving and you have the windshield and you have a mask for that windshield, you could totally maybe kind of somewhat visualize if you had this plate of let's just say clouds in the sky, right? Kind of slowly moving through that mask. So what you, in the end result, what you would see is um, just these clouds kind of moving across just the windshield area. And pretty quickly you would start to get that effect you need. And uh, you know, with, with digital tools, that's one of the advantages these days. It's very easy to adjust things like you're saying, like transparency. And then also, like I was saying, to set up things like digital masks and whatnot. Um, so you, you can actually do, in the very least, I'm sure that they storyboarded that stuff in a very cheap way. That's that is really to smart. say that the final result wasn't like, I'm sure that was probably very heavily edited and sort of influenced by After Effects and sort of post-processing things. But um, I think at, at its fundamental, I think it's a pretty simple, like you said, it's a somewhat simple process. Wow. Um, obviously, that doesn't speak to the difficulty of it. <laughs> yeah. But, but in not, principle, yeah, you just maybe have three yeah. different layers that you actually create, and then it's just a simple masking or kind of setting transparency to some of these items to uh, let them show through, poke through in a variety of ways, I guess. That, yeah, I, I, again, I, I, that, that's sort of like the rudimentary sort of mm -hmm. distilled way to think about it, because you know, obviously there's a ton that goes into the sort of the end result to get this polished, beautiful thing that you see, but... That's just that, that's where all the, the artistry and a, a ton of ton of hard work comes in. Okay, I guess maybe the last question is mm -hmm. how important and this is kind of a softball, I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> how important is it to determine like whenever you're setting up a shot? And for people who weren't aware, like you worked on Castlevania the cartoon, not the video game, which aired on Netflix. Um, and so yeah. that's a really cool thing that you've done. But um, my question yeah, is. How important is it to set up the lighting, like directional lighting and determining shadows? How much does that really influence the rest of a scene or even whenever you're starting your sketches and animating something? Oh, gosh, that is, yeah, that is very, very, very important. I would say, so in, in my bit of experience, um, when shots were getting set up, it was often the director sort of really roughly sketching out and blocking out where the characters are going to be and sort of very... Unless, unless he had like a very specific idea for a setting would sort of very loosely indicate things in the background. But pretty much as soon as those things are set, we are immediately getting in there and considering lighting um, and color to be sure. Uh, it's, it, it's, it is uh, fundamentally important and it supports and props up the characters and the flow of the story. Um, and without it, I think you've got something that's not really going to work well. And it has to do with a ton, right? It has to do with uh, just 
aesthetics alone. It has to do with just making sure that are the characters in this scene, are they going to be well served by the background? So what that means is, um, is the background going to support the focus where it needs to be? Um, so you can use, again, like light and color absolutely for those things. Um, a lot of that has to do with shot choice as well, like you know, where the camera is going to be in there. But um, obviously light and color are a humongous part of that. And so, yeah, it's uh, it, we we get in there, like I said, pretty much immediately. There are points where we need the audience to feel certain things. And so we do everything in our power with pretty much every aspect of it to try to get that feeling and that reaction, whatever it is. That's pretty cool. And I, I bring it up for a couple of reasons. For one, I mean, they they do such an amazing job of showing like rim lighting and a variety of sources of lighting, but they always uh, had yeah. this really brilliant rim light coming off their characters, and which is obviously just a reflection of the environment and they're having this yeah. soft fill that's coming from ambient lighting and whatnot. But the other reason is because I'm a filmmaker, I'm just kind of drawn to that naturally and I'm always impressed that in film, our goal is to capture light and mm -hmm. that's all we do and so obviously source yeah. of light matters a lot but i just find it so incredible that i mean that's still effectively what's selling the immersion whenever i'm watching an animation like this it's so important i guess for not i'm, I'm assuming not everyone follows this uh, quite as hard but especially in this film i mean it was really important to establish directional lighting and the environment yes. and it's almost like they're still trying to capture light even if they're only drawing it on yeah 100 well, percent. I, I i couldn't agree more i think that um one of the fundamental aspects of painting is light obviously right so that is like the the goal of painting you could argue one, at least one of the goals is I, I this is maybe getting a little bit into the subjective but mm -hmm. the sort of the capturing and recording of light so like if you go back like painting before we had cameras was our way to record things among other things. Um, and so it's, I think it's still at its core, especially for what this movie is doing and what these backgrounds are trying to do. Um, capturing light is absolutely what they're trying to do. I think there's a lot of other cool things that they're, they're able to sort of do with that to kind of add on to what you're saying. I think that um, one of the things that really amazed me about this film was the world building, right? Like the Tokyo and her village, um, which I cannot remember off the top of my head right now, of course, they did such an incredible job setting those up. And I remember reading that, I guess her village is a fictional village, but it's heavily, heavily referenced and based on uh, relocations. And I think that they took, um, they went to, to, to great lengths to um, really, really get you immersed in each one of the character, the main characters, worlds and, and home life. And just the, the, the overall settings uh, were extremely, extremely well done. Like even to the point where like, I, I, we, we knew what the, 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 the door that she would enter and exit out of look like every day. You know what I mean? Like we, we, mm. we know what the, what, what that the door is sitting on. Like they, they just went into so much detail um, on every little thing. And I think that those things add up to really, really sell, sell the scene is to, to, to make sure that the viewer is immersed. It's extra cool because it's animation, because it's all extra. It, it's like that extra bit of intent, you know, is where I mm -hmm. think that uh, not to say it doesn't happen in animation, but I think in filmmaking, and photography, you can find things maybe more, but that's the amazing thing about this movie is that people went through with intent and they very specifically laid out these drawings, very specific, specifically, excuse me, said, all right, the light needs to be coming through here. You know what I'm saying? Like it, yeah, it's, yeah. it, it just, it, the, the love of artistry um, and is, is just immaculate. I, I can't, I can't praise that especially enough. It was No, I think amazing. that's spot on. I mean, right now I have the movie paused in the background and there, mm -hmm. uh, it's this, outside shot of Itomori and they're playing baseball outside of the school and there's like mm -hmm. this huge fence that also has another fence underneath it that's kind of a backstop and yeah. all of that's 
that's an extra detail that they didn't have to do, but they obviously did their research yeah. and they're like, and now we're not only that, we're going to represent it in the shadows just as accurately. And yeah, there's thousands of details. I'm sure, you know, that went into every one of these scenes. Yeah, man. Um, and I, I, I think one other little kind of minor thing to add onto that, um, that I appreciated as, as an American, who's, uh, definitely very ignorant of, uh, you know, Japanese culture and certainly some of their older culture. And so it was really interesting. We kind of got this sort of window into this, uh, the Shinto, uh, a small village, um, in a very, very detailed way. Hmm. Uh, it was, it was incredible. Like even that alone, I could, I could probably just take those sections where they were introducing us, uh, uh to Mitsu's life and just sort of watch that, watch those, that, that sequence of scenes of watching her, just her life unfold is, was fantastic. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I think that's all I got, man. I really Great. so much appreciate you coming on. Hey, for sure, man. I hope uh, hope, uh, hope we can talk again. Thank you, Justin, so much for coming on. Uh, that was kind of awesome for me just to kind of geek out and hear him geek out. Yeah. Um, because obviously those kind of things even begin to elude me when I'm watching your name. And he's right. The world building that they do in there with all the granular details they all have to be decided and drawn and created. It's not like a, a film, right? Where you maybe just go to a, a, someone's garage sale and buy a bunch of stuff, throw it in a room. And now we have a set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It takes so much more work and thought and deciding what are we going to draw? Why are we going to draw it? Right. And this is going to be her room and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that I recognize it's, but it's way in the back of my head. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Instead of, you know, if you have a, if you put up a Kino in a room, <laughs> it creates all the shadows for yeah. you. But if you are doing the animation, you have to create those shadows yourself. <laughs> you know, you can't forget the one shadow of this book that it needs to cast. You no, know, like everything has to cast the same type of shadow. And Absolutely. That's, and then the book falls. Yeah. It's, and the shadow has to move. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is, it's really unbelievable and like daunting to think about like making a movie, a full length movie like that. What makes an object an object? Yeah. I saw your eyes light up and I was like, yeah, same here. What? I don't know. What does make an object? And uh, please tell me, uh, it's inherent property of whatever that might be. It, you know, cause everything I'm sure in his eyes, I mean, not so much in mine, but I guess everything has its defining characteristics, which yeah. goes back to his idea of like characterizing a thing. Right. And yeah, like I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, yeah, I'm going to draw this bottled water this way and it's in the curves. Right. And now you can begin to exaggerate the curves a little bit more to make it look like a bottle of water. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that concept was like, geez. What? Yeah, it's like blow yeah. my mind a little bit. <laughs> Am I high right now? Yeah. I, so I after after that interview, I I, I want to make something very clear. This movie was amazing. Yeah. It, like it, you know what this whole conversation that I had earlier about you know the ending and stuff. It I wanted to, I said it then. I want to say it again. It was really really good. But the movie in itself was really good. I really loved it. I like it even more after hearing from Justin. Yeah. Uh, honestly, but I'm in no way knocking that for sure portion of the video. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, that totally makes sense. Just to I guess run through unless there's any other things you want to comment about Justin's, uh, no, we can notes. weave it into the note, into your, okay. your, 
So some of the things I really loved, and it goes right back to what we were just talking about with, with Justin, uh, was the naturalistic, the naturalism that they were aiming for, like the sound design, the cityscape, the trains, even the ambient noise as they were making these hard cuts in between scenes. Like all of that was selling me on this is a city or this is a countryside, you know, a brook is flowing with water, whatnot. Just the sound design alone was just kind of like, wow, y'all really went into extra attention to detail. But I <laughs> I didn't get a chance to organize everything very cleanly, so I'm going to be jumping all over the place here, so forgive me. Uh, Story-wise, I really loved that when they're starting to get acquainted with each other, there's this moment when they're kind of messing with each other. They're like writing these pejoratives on their each other's faces. Mm-hmm. So when you wake up the next morning, it just says idiot. <laughs> <You're> like, yeah. <laughs> I love like these little jabs, and it kind of took me a few times of watching because... Like you, like I was so embedded on what they're saying that I couldn't always look up to see what the text also translates to because they're separating that yeah. on its own. Yeah, and, it, and either they're talking to the, each other so there's dialogue or there's a song happening and they're singing like 40 words a, a second and you're trying to read the song, which why? Why do you, who cares what the song says? Right. But uh, you're trying to read the song you're and watch it. what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also love uh, introducing a fantasy like in the we spend, I don't know, the first half or the first third or so living in this fantasy of them kind of switching places. And and then you get to this comfort place. And of course, this is done again later in the film, but they just suddenly take it away and we don't know. And now it kind of switches from this sci fi fantasy story into an investigation story. And now there's like how do we solve this? There's a mystery at play here uh, that just kind of comes out of nowhere because it's been leading up to a love story that turns into a mystery. And I, I'm always, maybe not always, but I'm usually a really big fan of genre blending. A movie doesn't have to be one thing. You can take us on a new ride by introducing a new type of genre mm-hmm. when we don't expect it. And I love that they did that here because who doesn't love a mystery yeah. with kids? You know, like kids yeah. on a mystery is like the best thing. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to Justin's point, like I love the, the backgrounds are so layered and so much fine detail and that's just brilliant. And there's so many sun glares and glints off windows and metal. Like going back to your point about shadows, all of that is at play constantly and it just, it wows me and immerses me at the same time. And they flash back. I love the flashback because it suddenly, I wish I would have had a moment to ask Justin this or written my question down because there's that moment whenever he goes down to the tree, right? He travels with his gang to a certain point and then he decides he's going to go on his own and he goes and discovers the shrine and the tree. And that's when he drinks the, uh, the sake and slips, falls, and sees that big vision of the history of the and future of of the village, and that flashback is intercutting with him falling, and the flashback itself has this kind of sketch quality stylizing that helps sell that this is a flashback, this isn't happening right now, and so it airs, it gives a distinction that also almost makes it feel like this isn't set in stone, and so there's this perfect I don't know visual quality that. That gives me hope while also informing me, informing me of history and danger. I don't know. It's just beautiful. And I love any time a film can adequately introduce a separate style and texture without taking away from 
the other way. And in, in an animation, I assume that has to be really tricky. Yeah. Like in film, right? We can just say, oh, that's black and white now. <laughs> yeah. And right. we, we add some whatever fog to it. <laughs> yeah. But here it's like, it's all animated. What are you going to do now? And super clever. Yeah, it does brilliant. God. Yeah, I love all the little time-lapsey stuff they do with like the lights. They're just constantly blinking. You're seeing it's going through its rotation. Yeah. I really want to know how they did that because to me, I'm like, I'm going to draw every single one of these frames, <laughs> but that's super time consuming. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh my God. There's also the interesting thing about animation is there's things you can't do in real life that you can do in animation. You can uh, do like, there's a shot where I think the comet's about to break apart and they do this like dolly sweeping crane movement and she's in like the meadow or out by the shrine and there's this wide open pitch black night where you can see all the stars and the clouds and this crane dolly movement, whatever you want to call it, the camera just swirls around her and pushes in really close to her face. And then, you know, dolly's back to the transition and oh my God, you just couldn't do exactly what they did in film because whenever you get that close to an actor's face, when you're in that wide of a lens, then their face is going to distort and there's no distortion on her face. They're able to maintain a certain look mm -hmm. to her face that you just simply could not do with the lens. Yeah. And I love that they take those opportunities to, because they still make it feel cinematic and that it's film, but you just couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, gorgeous it's it's one of those jaw-dropping things that i'm sure is in the trailer there are still some things that they follow in terms of cinematic language because after the pin drops whenever they're having that dramatic moment when they're finally talking and face to face and she's like slapping him for grabbing her boobs and they're writing each other's names down and the pin drops and it's truncated and we're just left with taki i love that we cut to this wide shot and Taki is well below the horizon line. And, and, there, and there's film theory that says when a character is, if you imagine the, her, the mm -hmm. line of horizon is out there in the distance, well, if you're going to stand behind someone, you can frame them from low, right, where their head or their body is well above the horizon line, or you can frame them from above, and which basically puts them underneath the horizon line or just puts them against the earth, basically. And so here they do a little bit of both because they initially cut to this wide shot where he's well below the horizon line, which is kind of suggesting that he's being crushed by the horizon, by the future, and he has nowhere to go. He's grounded. But soon after that, he gets the courage to say that he's going to pursue her. And then whenever he starts that... There's this big craning movement similar to what we see with Mitsuha, you know, previously. And as we crane around, he goes back above the horizon line as he gets that courage and that, that determination. And I love that there's that film theory still creeping its way into even an animated film. Uh, that's pretty damn cool. And then, of course, he can't remember her name. And so we start to swivel and slowly he starts falling below the line again. Really? Oh, man. That's it's, awesome. Yeah. You go through this really quick emotional ride of, yeah, you are, but oh, crap. How are you going to do that? Yeah. And it's just a beautiful visual communication of what he's going through in that moment. The highs and the lows. More symbolically, I guess, there's things that I'm not sure what the movie's trying to get at that I think you could take this in a number of ways. I think the number one thing that they're discussing in the film is 
tradition versus maybe urbanization because right. She's out in the countryside and she's beholden to tradition and they spend a lot of time discussing how we're all weaved together. Uh, Masubi, right. This idea of this local deity that threads everyone together through the flow of time and connection. By contrast, we have Taki who's in the city and there is no tradition. He has none of that. No access to, I mean, we don't even meet his mother. And that's the other interesting thing too is uh, her mother dies and her father leaves her and he's living at home with his father. And so there's uh, maybe, I don't know if there's some abandonment issues that they're touching on or just the idea of connecting to your history and to your, to your origins, to tradition. I don't know. I think maybe you could lightly say that they're pitting tradition versus technology because even whenever they're switching bodies, they're mostly communicating through a cell phone. But what ends up actually getting them together is not technology. It's the shrine and the sun, you know, that twilight hour. And so there's something more organic that actually brings them together. Um, and so I think there's lightly a conversation happening about technology versus nature and naturalism that maybe I'm not wrapping my head around or maybe they just weren't trying to like d- drive home in a very hard fashion. But I think it's there. There's that conversation for sure. There's the same conversation we had at the beginning of the show where dreams and connection and them trying to maintain. And that's, I think, maybe just the story of love itself. It, it can be effervescent. It can be ephemeral. And it can be hard to to grab a hold of unless mm-hmm. you, I don't know, chase it down. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, that's kind of what I was somewhat trying to get at at the beginning maybe when you find that person you feel like you already knew them and that's kind of even even though you can't remember it or maybe you really didn't and maybe that's kind of what they're trying to drive home in in it or maybe it's just a story you know i'm not sure but it was um my my favorite part and you brought this up earlier was that part on the mountain where they get to see each other and and their use of like cuts to black um, where you still hear uh, them talking over, over mm-hmm. like underneath the, the cut. I love those kind of, those kinds of moments and I didn't expect them in this. So when they happened, especially on the mountain, I was like, Oh my God, for whatever reason, I think, I, I think just because it gave, I don't know, maybe because it gave my eyes a break. I don't know, but it just like really drove it home. Uh, you were talking earlier about the sound design when they're riding on each other and oh, she starts yeah. riding on him and it cuts and the pen drops it silence, dead silence, dead silent. There are two, two moments where that happened. One where the pen drops and it was dead silent. And the other, when she falls, when she's running oh. and she falls and like rolls down the, the hill, mm-hmm. which was a little funny. Yeah. Cause she was just like, her arms are by her side the whole time. Her face is just like rolling into the ground. That was just a little funny. It was a little funny. Um, but then when she stopped, she stops rolling, it just cuts and it was like, what just happened? Oh my God. Like, is she dead? You know, like, is this it? And then she starts moving and okay. You know, but there wasn't any, even any like ambient sound. Yeah. Like not room tone or, or just uh, nature or whatever. And that's such a good moment, right? Because they set it up too with, we know she dies. Yeah. 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 It was reported anyway. Yeah. And so that 
is a great like heart stopping yeah. moment. Like, oh wow. Yeah. Did she die because of Taki? Um, yeah, I don't think I realized that at all. I mean, those, there might have been a couple others, but those were the two that I really yeah, I don't, remember. I mean, no, no other moments stick out to me for sure. Yeah. Uh, my last note, um, I found it, was when Taki goes out to find Mitsuha uh, with you know his unexpected friends. Mm-hmm. The train closing, whenever the doors close on the train, I love that it comes right at the camera because it's invoking kind of what's happening in the future. It's like, it's like foreshadowing the comet striking the earth, right? It's coming at you. It's coming for you. And then Taki, you know, shortly thereafter is when Taki finds out Itomori was killed by a comet or a meteor more specifically because it's a fraction of a, a comet. Yeah. And I just visual language, like it transcends no matter what kind of story you're telling, like it can be used to help, push the agenda and the subtext of what you're trying to communicate to the audience. And they certainly took full advantage of it here because this felt like a movie, even if, you know, super stylized. I always find it interesting too watching animation, uh, anime films, just the cultural differences. Um, the way the characters express themselves is always amusing. Like she's never been to a coffee shop. That's a really big deal to her. Right. And so whenever she's talky and, they're like, hey, yeah, let's go to the cafe. And she's like, cafe, cafe, <laughs> cafe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. But yeah. I, yeah, I, I tried to I tried to let those things go. Yeah, same here. Same yeah. here. I'm just like buying in as much as possible. Yeah. Even if a little tickled in the process. So yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah. I, I think it was a good, it was definitely a good change. Yeah. Uh, to review this um, rather than, you know, just the same stuff that we've been reviewing stylized, mm-hmm. stylistically, you know? Yeah. So shout out to Katya. This was for you. And so, Kat, I really hope you've dropped us a review by now. <laughs> you owe us. <laughs> you, you wouldn't do that, right? You wouldn't have two of your movies picked out for review and not review us. Right. <laughs> A review for a review. How about that? Yeah, yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. So, all that said, what are you going to recommend this week? Oh, all right. We're going to the recos. Yeah. yeah. Okay, guys. Right now, I want you to go online and I want you to buy a ticket and go watch Free Solo. It is awesome. It's so good. Uh, I, I was on a shoot this week and I just. You know, anytime I go out of town, Mm -hmm. I always go to a movie because I don't really have a whole lot of time to do it here uh, in town. And so I and I didn't want to see anything else. So I saw I I saw, oh, okay, that's playing. I've heard a little bit about that. It's cool. I'm I was gripping the seats so hard. You got to see it in the theater. It's such a big, you know. It's uh, he's climbing El Cap, so mm. it's three thousand feet up. So and they have cameras all over the wall, like it's it's insane. It's insanity. It's just crazy what this guy does, um, and the story behind it is really beautiful. So yeah, go see it in the theater. It's not worth seeing it at home on your on your little tiny TV. Go see it in the damn theater. So I'm going to recommend actually another podcast once more. But this time it's because I was a guest on there. Mm. So if you're a podcast and you want to hear me actually talk about me. If you haven't gotten enough, yes. So I'll put a link in the show notes, of course. (laughs) It's real bad. (laughs) It's called the Andrew Deitch podcast and it's spelled D E 
I-T-S-C-H, I believe. If I'm messing that up, I will correct it in the show notes. <laughs> but I, yeah, we just have like a super ridiculously long conversation uh, about my background, how I got into film, how we got... We talk about this podcast, we talk about a lot of other random things, but mostly just about film and me and stuff. And there's another episode I'm really excited to listen to because he also, uh, I think on episode 96 or 97, and I'm episode 102 for the record, um, he has, he interviews a uh, guy who worked on Interstellar, I think, and who helped with some of the instruments and developing some music stuff. I don't know. I, and he I'm, worked on the soundtrack, something like that. Let's see. I'm already like butchering this. I don't know. I'll link it. I'll find it and I'll link it in the, uh, the show notes. Okay. All that said, stay tuned next week. We're going to be covering Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. The new mm-hmm. Rami Malek film. Yeah. Brian Singer. I'm excited about that one. Yeah, me too. It should be fun. Um, don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Also leave us a note saying if you'd like us to cover something, but yeah, I mean, subscribe, review, that's actually really important. That helps keep our numbers up and also really helps motivate us to, to mm. keep doing more stuff. I like doing like the interviews. I think having Justin on was amazing. He's badass. I'll definitely link him in the, the show notes as well. So go there. But that takes a lot of extra work. You'd be surprised what it takes to go and coordinate and have someone else go watch a movie and schedule a time for after the movie, but before our podcast or even during our podcast, which is even more ideal so that both of us can be in on the conversation. And so I'm kind of waiting for whenever I feel like we hit a certain number in the reviews to get on another big interview. And so I don't know, maybe we can do like a drive for 50 reviews And if we get 50 reviews, I will bring on like a badass interview. TBD. I'm going to find McConaughey. (sighs) That would be amazing. I'm going to find McConaughey. We'll get, that's what we'll do. We'll get an actor or a director of a movie that I love. I'm not going to find a director and say, what movie have you done? Yeah. And then pretend to love it. Yeah. I'm going to find someone of a movie that I love that we have not covered. And I'm going to get them onto the show. Okay. Unless it's McConaughey. Unless In which case, we'll just do Interstellar again. Yes, we will. (laughs) I like, how did you do that? You shook your head no and you said yes. I don't don't think I could do that. I get it from another movie um, called Cocktail. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll leave you guys with the quote of the day. This one's from Walt Disney. When you believe in a thing, believe in it all the way, implicitly and unquestionably. I love that. I love yeah. that. You know, obviously, it's interesting just having Walt Disney. And I I can only imagine if you're into animation, what that name does to you. I feel like that's probably a love-hate kind of thing for reasons that I couldn't really begin why to fully the, comprehend. Why the hate? I think the way maybe that he kind of commoditized animation oh. and just the... I see, This is like, I don't really know. In some ways, maybe there was some like, Slave labor is a little strong, but that's kind of getting to the oh. idea of like sweat labor. I, I see what you, yeah. 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 And so maybe just there's issues surrounding Disney. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, you would be hard pressed to deny the influence that he's had yeah. on animation. And I mean, looking at the early days, those are some incredible films. Yeah. But on the other hand, this quote in and of itself is interesting, right? Uh, because that's, that, I feel like it ties right back into Taki, you know, whenever he decided to believe, he went all the way. He 
he didn't question himself. He didn't go back. He said, I'm going to find her and I'm going to, I'm going to deal with this. And I think that's such a, a great life lesson. It's one of the many that I try to like stay on top of. Like, am I committed to this thing? Well, if I am, then it's all or nothing. I'm not dabbling. I am committed. And if Disney was not a committed man, I don't know who is. Yeah. Like he accomplished some outrageous things. Disney world or Disneyland, whichever Disneyland. Oh yeah. That was a vision. Yeah. It's incredible. God. I mean, he saw something he made it happen, <laughs> built it. I'm I've in my life, I've constantly been at a war with myself. My parents brought me up very conservative, hmm. not politically yeah. conservative, like in life, right? You have to stay balanced. You can't go a hundred percent at something because it'll make you unbalanced at this other thing. And I am so not that person at all. And it took me a very long time to realize that it's okay to be that. Yeah. It's okay to be this. It's okay to be, in fact, it's, it's important to be this. It's important to, when you have a goal or something to go at it a hundred percent, because why the, why the hell are you doing it? Yeah. You know, and in life you, you kind of have to either because of competition or because of barrier to entry mm-hmm. or because of just, you know, a long haul, like just staying in it, staying relevant, like staying, pursuing, continually pursuing something. And I've always felt this little pull to slow down, hmm. you know, or to stay balanced or whatever. And it, it holds me back. It, I, it still, to this day, it holds me back. And it's, it's such a shame because, uh, you know, I'm br- I want to bring up my son in a completely different way, in a way of like, okay, if you want something, you're going to have to sacrifice, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I can't imagine what Walt Disney sacrificed. Like, yeah. I mean, it had to be a lot, right? I don't know his full story, Same. but I'm sure that it was not easy to do what he did. And if he didn't believe, you know, in, in his vision all the way, then it it definitely would not have happened. Right. Right. And I I would assume in a movie like this in movies in general, but especially in a movie like this, where, you know, you have so many layers and everything's like hand drawn or most stuff is hand drawn and it's going to take years to make it. I mean, you have to, that's commitment. Yeah. I mean, and then committing to some of these story choices right, could right. not have been easy. Yeah. Like the disjointed timeline was like, there's no turning back on this. I know. Yeah. That, we oh, can't man, re-edit a, this in post. Yeah, that's a great point. No, you're just going to, yeah, I put it out there. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that beautiful quote, man. You, Thank you. Every week you pick like really good stuff that uh, like makes me want to talk about it. So. Have its own. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. So thank you guys for listening to, to this. I don't know. It's like four hours long, I think. <laughs> Thanks for staying with us again. Like Wes said, please remember to give us a review and share it with your friends because, you know, the more the merrier and we want more people to watch more movies and to learn about them even if it's just listening to two guys banter <laughs> uh, you know their opinions at each other uh, once a week until next time I'm Todd I'm Wes go watch the movies i